This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. My name is Jason Robbins, and you are listening to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast with my friend and cohort, Derek Diamond. How are you doing this week, sir? Doing good. It's been uh, it's been a busy week with work. Uh, next week's going to be even busier. Really, the whole next couple of weeks is going to be even busier, gearing up for Pensacon here in a couple of weeks. But you know, it's all good. Did some uh, did some podcast recording this afternoon and. Now recording the show with you. And you talk about Pensacon. That's uh, We get to do a panel. Actually, I get to do two panels at Pensacon this year. And you are going to be, uh, you're going to be the MC for at least one of them, right? Yeah, we'll be doing the Monsters Anonymous panel, which I believe is going to be uh, sometime on Saturday. So Yeah, it's going to be um, Saturday at 4 p.m., 4 to 4.45 at the Grand Hotel Ballroom, or the Grand Hotel Room B, I think that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be my, actually my second year moderating panels, so um, I'll be moderating that one, and one I'll be doing uh, also sometime during the weekend. Uh, I'm going to get to be doing the panel for for, former WWE wrestler and Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts. (laughs) That's so fantastic. There's so many good people going to be at Pensacon this year. If you're in the Southeast area, I mean, you've got William B. If you're an X-Files fan, you're going to be happy because you've got Mitch Pileggi, Brian Thompson, William B. Davis, Stephen Williams, Nicholas Lee. uh, All those people are from the X-Files. You're going to have Sam Jones, who was Flash Gordon. Is going to be Flash. there. You got oh. Gates McFadden, Henry Winkler, Billy Zabka is going to be there. I mean, you got to got to go see the Zabka. <laughs> just Ted hope he doesn't Ramey. sweep the leg. Yeah, you just walk up to him, sweep his leg, and uh, he'll <laughs> he'll he'll enjoy you for that. And uh, John Wesley Ship's going to be there, the original Flash, who's also the Flash's dad in the new Flash series, and also the original. He's actually the original Flash in that show, too. Kind of mm-hmm. weird how that works out. But there's, oh my God, there's so many people going to be there. Don't miss it, please. Yeah, it's easily the most stacked lineup they've ever had. And they're doing, they have, you know, wrestlers, uh, Rick Flair, Mick Foley, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Jason David Frank, the original uh, Green Ranger from the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger show, who is actually going to be my guest this week on the Derek Diamond Experience. That's awesome. But I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned about the panel I'm moderating because I wonder if he's going to actually bring the snake out. <laughs> Does I might run away if that happens. What I always wondered was that really his snake? Like, did he travel around with that? Snake yes, he did. As he was a wrestler, that's so weird. Yeah, he. Uh, I watched a documentary that he did several years ago. Yeah, he would travel with it, and he would always have to fill the hotel tub full of water. And he would put the snake in there. He said he got bit, you know, several times. It was a non-poisonous snake, yeah. but 
that would god that would scare the shit out of me see i always thought it was one of those things where like each town he traveled to there would always be like someone in town he would get a snake from and just say that it was damien yeah he would uh he'd travel with that snake all the time hmm. crazy but stuff was, but uh... it, it's gonna be a fun weekend Oh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Like I said, it's going to be February 17th through the 19th. If you can make it, if you're in the southeast southeast area, please make your way to Pensacon. It's going to be so worth it. No, absolutely. And you'll get to see us. Absolutely. We'll be on our panel from 4 to 445. Come watch the movie. Come ask us questions. Talk to us. Yeah. Say hi. That's all we want you to do. Just come up and say hi. That'd be good. No, absolutely. But um, actually... We've got uh, some pretty cool news for this week, so let's go ahead and roll right into that. Going to be talking about Sega's big retro Spotify debut. I'm going to let you go with this one, Derek. This comes through to us from RetroGamer.net. Sega has recently put up, rather quietly, a huge number of video game soundtracks on the music streaming service Spotify, you can see a full list uh, by clicking on the article. Uh, some of the games are Jet Set Radio, Jet Set Radio Future, Nights into Dreams, which is a very underrated game, and of course, Sonic the Hedgehog. This is really cool because retro gaming music is some of my favorite stuff to listen to, and the fact that they're actually putting music out on a big music platform it's just awesome, and I think other companies should take notice of this and do it as well. Yeah, because um, I haven't listened to Spotify in a while. I do. I pretty much do Amazon Prime Music now. Um, but when I I still have Prime, or I mean uh, Spotify, I can just put the uh, the app back on my phone. But I used to listen to um, you know you could put in your own channels and stuff like that. I would look for the video game channels where they would have. Mm -hmm the actual video game soundtracks and stuff. And like, that's some of my favorite stuff to listen to. Yeah. And interesting that you bring this up because a few days ago, I actually was working on some stuff uh, for work. We're having a retro gaming night and I sent you a firework track that I made because on the awesome. night that we have that, we're going to have uh, a fireworks after the game. And uh, I sent it to you and it's honestly like not to toot my own horn, but it's probably my favorite firework track that I've ever made. So you made that entire track. Yeah, I cut it together in Adobe Premiere. It's done really well. I commend you for that. Like, I, I listened to the whole thing the other night. It was just like a trip down memory lane. Oh, yeah. What's crazy is with those firework tracks, I normally have to struggle a little bit to find songs. But, you know, I was just thinking of random songs in my head. And next thing I knew, I had more than enough. Because the way we do fireworks is the the fireworks show is seven minutes long mm -hmm. and you change the song every 30 seconds because every 30 seconds, the firework pattern changes a little bit. So, you know, next thing I knew I had like 16 to 20 songs and I'm like, Oh, I, I'm going to have to leave some out. <laughs> I could very well go back and take out one or two and change them. But I thought it was really fun to listen to. And I, that's going to be one of our, we're going to gear it as one of our biggest theme nights that we're going to do this year. Well, I'm definitely going to keep that track on my iTunes library and listen to it a lot because you, you did a really good job on that. And like I said, I love listening to, especially like the old eight bit chip tunes that they used mm -hmm. to use for uh, the NES and stuff like that. That music was so good. 
Mm-hmm. Which I actually wanted to ask you, I thought about this as I was reading the article earlier. What are some of your favorite retro gaming soundtracks oh, gosh. off the top of your head? Um, Star Tropics is, um, jumps right out at me. But I honestly, my favorite video game music of all time is still Ninja Gaiden, the first Ninja Gaiden game. Mm-hmm. There's just something heart pounding about that entire soundtrack. And each stage, it's crazy. Like the the amount of music they put in that game, every stage had a different song. So, you know, a lot of games back then would just have the same sort of, um, you know, maybe one or two tracks that they would just replay like in a loop the entire game. But Ninja Gaiden had, you know, it was an album full of music that they used for that game. So if you get a chance, go on YouTube and just listen to the Ninja Gaiden soundtrack and you'll you'll see that how good and well put together that music was. And um, like I said, Star Tropics is really good. Um, oh, Final Fight. I love the music for Final Fight for uh, SNES and F-Zero. I think F-Zero had some of the best music as well. No, for sure. Uh, some of mine, the ones that jump right out to me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one would be Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, So yeah. many epic songs. Oh, yeah. I, I can't believe I forgot to say that. <laughs> and you had, you know, the, the Hyrule Castle theme, the Overworld, the Dark World theme. Some of the songs that are, you know, still iconic in that franchise actually started in Link to the Past. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is definitely up there. I, I used multiple songs from that game in yeah. that firework track that I sent you. Um, Mario Brothers 3 is one that I really like. Super Mario World as well. Yeah. Uh, there there are so many. But th- those are the ones that, you know, off the top of my head are are really good. Like, I could actually go on YouTube and type in, like, say, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 soundtrack and just listen to it from start to finish and not skip any songs. Yeah, definitely. And another game that had really good music to it, even though it wasn't that great of a game, was the first Ninja Turtles game. Yes. Very absolutely. No, I, I almost used one of those songs in that firework track, but then I ended up using a Turtles in Time one. Yeah. It's just very... It's All that music is just so iconic, and I don't... I can't pinpoint why. It's just... it's It was simple, but it was effective. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which uh, something I'd be curious to know about uh, for the listeners. What are some of your favorite retro gaming soundtracks? You know, let us know on Twitter at Nerd Cave Retro. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let us know um, what you think that your most beloved music was for the 8-bit era and the 16-bit era. And um, maybe we'll just have a show one night where we... We what we could do is we could just compile, do like what you did, Derek. We could compile each of us do like fifteen minutes of our most favorite music and what everybody else thinks is their favorite music, and just do like you know, one thirty-minute track of just you know oh, retro man. music. Wouldn't that be great? That would be sick. <laughs> yeah, it would. That'd, that'd be, be cool to make. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, for sure. No re- retro gaming music. That's. That's something I actually found these not too long ago, back in high school, back when burning CDs was the popular yeah. <laughs> thing to do. I was probably, I had to have been like a sophomore or a junior in high school. I made my own CD anthology set 
of gaming music. Wow. Like the first the first disc was strictly NES and Sega. Disc two was SNES. Disc three was N sixty four. And then disc four was GameCube and five was uh more GameCube PS two and the original Xbox. That would be awesome to have that. <laughs> I wish you could find that somewhere. Yeah, I, I found all five CDs one day when I was over at my parents' house, and it still had the labels that I drew on them and everything. And wow. it's it was cool to go back and listen to. You make me a copy. <laughs> oh, we'll do. We'll do. Yeah, I'll send those. Uh, I'll find some way to send those to you. Awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely. There was just something so good about that that era. I mean, just the the gameplay and the the music, just everything about that whole time period was just. I just love to go back and relive that. Absolutely. But um, we'll go ahead and move into our this month in video game history. In 1983, Apple Computer releases the Apple IIe which becomes their most popular 8-bit machine. Interesting. I've actually never heard of this. This is the computer I think um, I remember learning on when I was in uh, grade school. We actually had computer class that we went to every day. And uh, this is the, I remember it was an Apple computer, but I think it was a 2E. Um, we would go in there and we would learn different things but the the thing i remember most was playing the games i remember playing uh uh oregon trail all the time on this machine such a good game i always died of dysentery but you know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people did yeah i'm looking at pictures now i definitely remember seeing this computer i don't think that i use these when i was in school i think we had the old HP computers from the like the early to mid 90s. Yeah, I'm but looking no, at I, the picture. I definitely recognize these. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture. This is the exact computer. And there's a picture on there with zigzag on it. And I remember that. I mean, you're talking, I was probably, uh, what was, when the, was this like 83, probably 83 through 86. So I was probably, you know, in like fourth grade like third fourth fifth grade when these things were in use at my school it's crazy this brings back like a flood of memories man i love seeing that old multicolored apple logo oh yeah awesome. i wish they would do a retro um a retro imac with like all the old logos and stuff on it that would be awesome wouldn't that that'd be great i would get one they should do that which, speaking of Apple, in 1984, on January 24th, Apple Incorporated announces the original 128K floppy disk-only Macintosh. I used the heck out of floppy disks back in the day. <laughs> yeah, when they were like the you know the size of a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember back before CDs really became the thing. I had a like a filing cabinet. Maybe a little bit smaller than a filing cabinet, but it was full of floppy disks, and they were all multicolored ones. And I would, you know, just save random stuff on them. It was mostly Word documents, but I'd have, you know, like a red one, blue one, green one, and it would repeat in like a pattern. And I yeah. bought—I remember buying that whole case at Walmart for like really, really cheap. 
yeah, I used to have a bunch of floppy disks too, uh, especially back in the early nineties when I had, um, I had a Hewlett Packard back then. And, uh, mm-hmm. I remember play, those, uh, what games did I, I had the seventh guest and I had, um, had the dark Stephen King's the dark half. And, uh, what was the other one? It was a really big game out at the time. It was a side scroller. Um, I'll think of it. Uh, it'll pop in my head in a few minutes, but all it was multiple discs to play those games. Like you would get a computer game and there would be like six or seven floppy discs you had to load to play the game. I don't remember ever playing a game on a floppy disc. I just strictly use them for, for storage, but yeah, you know, it, it's cool seeing the evolution of computers because people think, Oh, computers, really didn't become a thing till the nineties, but no, back in the eighties, they were, they were around. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I remember using the Apple two E back when I was in like third, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, uh, going to computer class every day. Like we would go for like 30 minutes or an hour every day to go play work on these computers. And that's kind of where my love for, you know, electronics came from was that time of my life uh, doing that stuff. Cause I loved computers when I was a kid. Oh, me too. I was. I remember for Christmas one year, my parents got a computer, and that like totally set me on the path that I, I think I'm on now. Because you know, I, I was one of those kids who tried to play sports but wasn't really that good at it. <laughs> I think and we're then, in the same boat with that. <laughs> and then my parents got a computer, and I'm like, okay, this is what this is what I want to do. I'm because I was an inside kid mm-hmm. more than, you know, I got, I wasn't a huge fan of doing like outdoor stuff. So the computer was like, you know, I'm, I made it when, when I got a computer. Are you sure we aren't related? Cause we sound like the exact same kid growing up. <laughs> and we could do some research that you might be like my fifth or sixth cousin. Probably. Twice removed. Yeah. I tried to play some sports too when I was a kid and, and I'm, I was not coordinated at all. No. No, I was whenever I played a little league, I was always right field because they didn't have to do it, really do anything. Yeah, I I was the kid out in right field, too. But um, they stopped put actually letting me play. I became a bench warmer because I was the kid that was out in the outfield, like looking up at the sky, like, you know, yeah. picking flowers, <laughs> like playing with <laughs> bugs, all that kind of stuff. I didn't have any concentration for that crap. Yeah, I I didn't either. Like I I like watching sports, but playing them is a is a whole different thing. I don't have nearly the hand eye coordination for it. You and me both, my friend. <laughs> you know what else we used to do when we were when I when I used to enjoy a lot when I was a kid? Books. Oh, nice segue. So before we get to my wonderful review of Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, I would like to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have a ton of books to choose from, over 180,000. That's a lot of books. And they have great series like Star Wars, uh, books from Mass Effect, Halo, Aragon, Percy Jackson, so many great books to choose from. I actually downloaded Audible myself. I can't believe that I didn't do this before because it's it's fantastic. It's so much more it? convenient. Oh yeah. I I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have Audible. I have so many books to listen to. I have 
I have so many books. I haven't listened to them, listened to them all at this point. I still have like four or five books in my queue that I haven't listened to all the way through yet. Yeah, it's something great. You know, I, I, I try to run every morning before I work or before I go to work. And, you know, I'll, I'll be on the treadmill and I'll listen to 30 minutes or so of of an audiobook. I'll listen to it on the way to and from work. I'll listen to it at work. It's just so much more convenient than sitting down and reading a physical book. Oh, yeah. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And the reason that I brought up the books is I don't know if anybody saw. Uh, we forgot to talk about this last week when I went to my mom and dad's house and they were cleaning some stuff some you know some stuff out of storage and and things and i found this box of books and uh there was this book that i used to love when i was a kid and it was one of those uh choose your own adventure books it was called the video avenger and i put a picture of it up on our instagram page at nerd cave retro and um it's all about this kid who uh gets a video game accidentally sent to his house it's basically a tron ripoff and he gets sucked into the video game. And of course, you're going through trying to, you know, survive the book, like going through your your choices as you go through the book. So uh, if you if you could find a copy of it anywhere, it's it, it, it would be worth having just to have. Like, I love the fact that I found this thing. Did you ever read any of the Nintendo Choose Your Own Adventure books? No, I didn't. I think I was kind of getting out of that. Um, phase by the time I was getting into like Nintendo and video games and stuff. Yeah, you posting that picture made me remember all of the books that I used to have, and I'm actually looking at them right now. They released a total of 12 books, 10 Mario books, and two Zelda ones. Wow. I loved these things. I read these things, you know, front to back multiple times doing you know the different choices and everything yeah. choose your own adventure books are so cool like i part of me wishes they would make a comeback and i think they could i mean i they're you know i think little kids like stuff like that you know you get to choose your own your you know your own make your own choices throughout the book i mean who doesn't want to be able to do that when you read oh for sure can you imagine it's crazy. if Stephen I'm, King I'm put out uh, an adult choose-your-own-adventure book? I would get it. Yeah. I'm looking through all of these covers, and I, I owned a good majority of these. There are some that I don't recognize, but they were so much fun. But yeah, if anybody so out there is, is younger than us or anything, and you don't know what a choose-your-own-adventure book is, look it up on Wikipedia. They're really interesting, and they had some really good books back in the day. And definitely go check out our Instagram, at NerdCaveRetro, and just take a look at that book. And um, it, it's really cool, and I'm, and I'm definitely going to keep it on display, because I loved that book as a kid. Brought back a lot of memories when I, when I found that. Oh, for sure. But um, for let's sure. go ahead and move into our review for this week, which it's Derek's week, and he's going to be reviewing a little game like this. Oh. I, I really don't want to review this game. <laughs> I got to tell you, that music is awful. 
what's sad is the music's the best thing about it. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's how can it be worse than that? Like I was trying last night, I was capturing the music for this and I was going through it and I was just like, Oh, this is awful. That's when you knew you were in for a, a good ride today, sir. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so the game that I will be reviewing, which calling it a game is a, a very loose term that I'll get into in a second. Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, which technically was available for both SNES and the Sega Genesis. Now, the reason why I say using the term game is loose is because it's really an interactive adventure is what oh. they call it because you don't control Pac-Man. You can only control the environment around him to make choices. Like you Doesn't can kind of kind tell of Pac-Man where to go. Doesn't that kind of defeat the point of a Pac-Man game? Yes, you know, whenever I saw this game, like, I didn't really know what it was about. I just remember loving Pac-Man. So I'm like, okay, I'll check this out. Because uh, the cover, you know, you see Pac-Man on a hang glider, and you're like, okay, this is obviously going to be different than the original Pac-Man arcade game. But being a Pac-Man fan, I was like, okay, I'll give this a shot. Because it had somewhat decent reviews in the beginning when it first came out. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so the gameplay, and this is a courtesy of our friends over at Wikipedia, Pac-Man 2 carries a style of gameplay similar to that of traditional point-and-click adventures, but with a few key differences that set it apart from other games in that genre. Unlike most point-and-click games, <clears throat> excuse me, where the player can interact with the environment via various commands, the player has no direct control over Pac-Man, who moves and interacts with the world, characters, and sometimes the player, mostly on his own. The only command that can be given is via the look button, which makes Pac-Man look or turn in whichever direction is held on the control pad. So like I said, you don't really control Pac-Man. What you do is you're kind of watching Pac-Man like you're kind of watching a TV show. Okay. But what, but what you can do is you hit a button. I don't even remember which one it was. But say if Pac-Man's walking to the right, you can tell him to look to the left, and then he'll turn around and he'll walk left. Or you can tell him to look up and down if there's something that he needs to pay attention to. You can also use a slingshot to kind of interact with the environment. Like say in one level, there's a rope that Pac-Man has to climb, but it's way too high for him to reach. So you have to shoot it as he's walking by it to have it lower to where he can jump up and grab it. Or you can just shoot Pac-Man in the face and you can piss him off because his mood changes. He can be really happy, so happy that he doesn't care about whatever's going on. Or he's so mad that you don't listen to him or that he doesn't listen to you. This sounds awful. It's uh, it's pretty bad. What you do is there are there are several different objectives that you can do. It kind of plays out like a TV show. So say like literally objective one is you go over to the farm that's to the right of Pac-Man's house to milk a cow to get milk for his baby. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What that's what I want to do in a Pac-Man game is I want to milk a cow. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. 
if I remember right, you can do some type of objective where the cow like kicks him in the face, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, what were some other ones? You have to go to a mountaintop to pick flowers for Mrs. Pac-Man. You have to go to the city to find Pac Jr.'s guitar that was stolen by the ghosts. Uh, what else happened? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, and at the end, you fight a monster that's made out of uh, chewed bubble gum. <laughs> wow. I, I I have nothing to add to this. I mean, it speaks for itself. <laughs> uh, now you know why I did not want to review this game, but I was like, you know what? I have to pick out a game that I hate, and th- this is mine. This God. is my one of my least favorite games of all time, and I can't believe that I actually convinced my mom to buy me this game. How did these kind of games get made? Because... There had to be a pitch meeting, right? Like, how do you pitch this and get the green light? Like, I want this guy to sell my stuff. Yeah, I say this in pretty much every situation that's bad. I would love to be a fly on the wall so I can find out who in the pitch meeting said this is a great idea. So then I can turn back into a person and introduce their face to the back of my left hand. (laughs) Oh man, there's I, there's no gameplay pictures on here. I mean, I, I could look up on YouTube, but I don't want to. I don't want the uh, the sound to be playing while we're recording. Plus, you don't want your memories of Pac Man to be scarred. No, because I like Pac Man. I still like Pac Man. I think the uh, what was that last Pac Man game that came out uh, a couple of years ago for the Xbox 360? Um, I can't that? remember what it was. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Hmm, let me look it up real quick and see. Uh, Pac. I'll say the the highlight of this game, and this is kind of sad to say, there's an arcade you can go to, and you have to p- find these uh, these tickets. One has Pac-Man's face on it. The other has Mrs. Pac-Man's face on it. And you can take those to the arcade, and you can actually play the original arcade games, hmm. Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. Here it and is. the the, gra- the graphics are a little updated, which you know I, I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but playing the old games is the highlight of this entire game. It's the only good thing about it. Yeah, Pac-Man Championship Edition. That oh, you want to talk about? I put a lot of hours into Pac-Man Championship Edition. Sounds amazing. And. I'm going to look up a little bit of uh, the music because I want you to hear the music for this. I want everybody to hear how awesome the music is. And ship edition music. While you look that up, I'll say that as far as reviews, the game received mixed positive reviews when it was first released. GamePro held that on one hand, the game is innovative, intriguing, and sometimes fun. But on the other hand, the inability to control Pac-Man directly can be annoying, and the game sometimes makes one wish for the simplicity of the original <laughs> Pac-Man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. All right, here's some Championship Edition music. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's fantastic. This makes me want to... I'm, like, sitting here dancing. Doing a fist bump. Oh, yeah. This should be our new theme song for the show. Oh, heck yeah. 
but yeah, that was one thing. One of the things I loved the most about Pac-Man Championship Edition was the music was so damn good. Oh, for sure. Uh, kind of going back to the the reception of Pac-Man Two. While the reviewer acknowledged that the gameplay is an acquired taste, which is an awesome term, <laughs> he wholeheartedly approved of the innovative challenge and also praised the game's humorous animations and gibberish voicing. In November of 94, Famitsu Magazine's Reader Cross Review gave the Super Famicom version of the game a 7 out of 10. How the fuck what? do you give this game a 7 out of 10? Uh, no. No. Ugh. Oh my god. That that makes me angry reading that. I didn't read that before. Good uh, god. Oh, okay. I'm looking at gameplay of this right now and this just looks stupid. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Oh, I mean the the story like the overarching story isn't the worst thing in the world, but just like the the gameplay just it, it's awful. Like you don't even really play it. Like I said, it, it's what I like to call an interactive adventure because you don't yeah. directly control Pac-Man. Hmm. If you could directly control him, it might be a different story. Well, even if you were but, to put it in a 2D side scroller, I would think, you know, Pac-Man would be a good character to move into a side scrolling 2D universe. I mean, it, it, it lends itself to that somewhat. Um, and mm -hmm. bring the ghosts back. You got to hide from the ghosts or run from them. You know, like you could come up with a good 2D adventure, side scrolling adventure for Pac Man, I would think. But man, like knowing that you don't, you don't control the character and you have to control the environment just did not, that just does not sound fun to me at all. Like there's no, nothing it's... about that that makes me want to go, hmm, I want to play that. So I recommend that everybody stay far, far away <laughs> from this game. I give this game a one. Wow. And I only give it a one because it took an effort to actually make it. <laughs> I'll give well, I'll give the developers at least a point for you know the time they put into it. Yeah. Well, we'll give them that. They probably really tried to make a good game, but man, sometimes you just you roll the dice and you know come up snake eyes. Yeah, but if if anyone's interested, I, I would say check out some gameplay on YouTube just to see it for yourself, but don't take the time to play it, and definitely don't pay any money to play it. <laughs> well, Ugh, it's I think awful. that says it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's really nothing else that I can say about this game is just stay far, far away. Well, on a lighter note, next week we're going to go back, starting in February, we're going to go back to games that we like. And probably one of my favorite games for the NES, I'm going to be reviewing RC Pro-Am. Sweet. And after that, I will be reviewing, uh, this was actually a request uh, by a listener on Twitter a while back, but I'm going to be reviewing the SNES RPG Secret of Evermore fantastic following your review so i think that's gonna about do it for this week what do you say that's all i've got well like i said um definitely let us know what uh your favorite um retro gaming music is and uh, we'll we'll start 
putting that together and maybe put that out by summertime or something. Put out just a, a 30 minute episode of nothing but 8 bit, 16 bit music. I think that'd be fantastic. But definitely let us know. Uh, you can go to our all new website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're also at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com if you want to email us. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So tell them what's up, Derek. been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.